Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Market. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Welcome to the Black Canadian Content Creators Podcast, a show where we focus on celebrating content creators who live or are born in Canada and identify as Black, African, Caribbean, Mix, or Afro-Canadian. That was fun. I'm your host, Shirley Joseph. Today, I'll be speaking to a OG member of BCANCC Facebook group, Nicole Badeau, who is an entrepreneur as a digital marketing expert. Nicole is a communication professional with a BA in English Literature from the University of Toronto and a postgraduate certificate in Corporate Communication and Public Relations from Centennial College. Through BLPR Digital, she excels at connecting businesses with their ideal customers using digital media. With the necessity of Black-owned media, allblackteal.com is coming. It's already here, but it's also going to be amplifying even further in the new year uh, with work from of creators, uh, community workers, resources, and opportunities for fun in Black friendly spaces. So prepare yourself for another episode of Bcan CC Podcast with special guest Nicole Badeau at BLPR Digital on all social platforms. You ready? Enjoy the combo. Welcome everybody to Black Canadian Content Creators. It's so nice for you to be here and uh, be part of this conversation I'm having today with Nicole Badeau from BLPRDigital.com. Uh, she is an amazing, amazing digital strategist and uh, public relation experts. How are you, Nicole? I'm great, certainly. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being part of the show. Actually, um, I don't know if you noticed, but I mean, it, it's supposed to align the way that it aligns because you are one of the early, like early first people, adapters, members of Black Canadian content creators in the group. So thank you for, for, mm. for your time today having this convo with me. Well, thanks for inviting me. Everything you say about me is true of you, too. You're an excellent marketer. You know, you you know what it's like to try and find content of other people's to amplify and promote. So I know you know yeah. that I'm in. <laughs> we know. So yes. I got yeah. to get to, so I got to know, um, Nicole, how I met you was through, you used to be the, um, running the Toronto chapter of Black Bloggers United. That's right. That's true, yeah. Now, were you doing that while also running your business uh, with uh, BLPR? Yeah, I was, yes. (laughs) So, you know, I I always have a hundred hustles going on at once. Like a true 
through Jamaican. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I had my business, and then I got involved with, I can't pass up a good opportunity. When I see something interesting, mm. I can't help but get involved. And I saw a post for Black Canadian content create, or sorry, for um, Black, Blogger. Black Bloggers United yeah. on Twitter one day. And I, you know, clicked around and said, oh, this is interesting. You're a blogger. You know, I, I don't get to see them very often. And we have a few great Black bloggers in Canada, but I don't see any opportunity for us to meet or do anything collectively and help each other and promote each other. So, you know, I wonder what it's about. And I contacted the the founder of um, the blog, and she said, well, there's no one in Canada right now, but if you want to start a chapter, please, by all means. So, you know, I jumped in with both feet, and I just contacted the black bloggers I did know and and uh, said, come out to a meeting, we'll chat about what our challenges are and how we can help one another promote each other's blogs. So that became a monthly meeting, fast forward about a year in, and uh, my husband and I got married, and we're old parents, as I like to say, <laughs> many for their related life. You know, I was already 32. He was already 43. Wow. So we really wanted a baby. So about a year into our marriage, you know, I was on the baby train. <laughs> I just wanted to get pregnant. And I said, I have to cut back on the hundred different activities that I do. So I had to leave um, the group. And so I left the group. I was still, you know, working in my business. I had my regular clients. I was also volunteering. I stopped doing that. And then within a couple of months, I did get pregnant. So it worked. <laughs> but it worked. I just had to really cut down on my activity and kind of sit my myself down at home for a little bit. <laughs> reset, like do a little priority reset, right? Yeah, calm, reduce the stress mm. of your life, you know, mm. all of that. And, and it does, it did work. But now, you know, our baby is, is uh, 20 months old. Oh. I used to laugh at people who would count the months of their kids. I would say, just say one, just say two. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it makes a huge difference one month to the next. It's, you have a whole other kid. The development is wildly different so I do say that she's 20 months now and she's talking and running and playing and interested in everything she's a little parrot she she repeats everything you say <laughs> so <laughs> she's super busy so mama is kind of interested and I do have my regular clients through BLPR digital Dot com. Thank God, I have you know, I haven't had to hustle for clients for a few years now, but I'm still interested in other things. And I worked briefly with the creator of All Black Teo, and um, we worked for a while together. She has a full time job, and uh, after a while, she couldn't afford to keep me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth of the matter. Yeah. And I, but I had, with the work that I did on it, I just, 
I am an analytics person. I look at the numbers. I saw the unique visitors going up every single month. And I see that she doesn't have time to put into the blog itself. And I just couldn't get it off my mind. So after a year, I said, give it to me. <laughs> Sell it to me. I'll buy it. Really? Yeah. And she wasn't ready to sell, but she was ready to collaborate. Okay. So we're collaborating on it, and I'm giving it a year, and I'm inviting uh, anyone from the black community or who's doing something for the black community in the GTA to contribute their content or talk about their events. Just um, tell us what's going on, and we'll find a way to publicize and amplify it for you. Okay. So, like, before we dissect further about All Black TO, because uh, I, I mean, I'm curious, and it's I think it's definitely a need. Um, and that's mm-hmm. something that is lacking, you know, like compared to in the United States and you're looking at the black yeah. community, you have choices in, cur- yeah. in terms of digital, uh, you know, marketing or content in magazines. Right. You have Essence yes. and you have yes. Blavity. But when you co- like Canada, there's really not I mean, there's one, you know, that we do know of. Yeah. And but I think uh, having a space, especially um, that's Toronto Focus uh, sounds really good. But before we go into like, I'm curious to know about like what what the future is for All Black TO. I want a little bit. Let's dig a little bit about you and BL, BLPR Digital Strategies. So you have. How did you first? How how was it growing up? What were you into, or what did you think? This is what I want to do, or I'm passionate, or be when I grow up. What did you want to be? I thought I might be interested in law because it was a lot of reading and arguing. And <laughs> I'm really good at that. <laughs> so my family always thought I might be a lawyer. I thought I might go into teaching also because, again, it's a lot of reading and talking to people. And I like doing that. <laughs> so anything that involves reading, essentially maybe some writing and and dealing with people I would be interested in. And my passion, passion, passion beyond all passion growing up was ice skating. I loved skating. I was a little figure skater, always the only black one on the ice. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I competed in just locally Ontario uh, figure skating. And I went as far as I could go until about age 17, and then it became a choice, you know, are you going to keep skating, or are you going to go to university, and it wasn't even a question, I'm going to go to university, it wasn't that much of a blow-away talent that, you know, I'd have to forego school to skate, so... So were you, were you a big fan, like, what did you think when you first saw Surya Bonali, the French show? Yes, remember oh, wow. her? I remember I was like, wow, she's a superhero. Yes, she's amazing. But the thing that got me into skating was 1988 Olympics, Calgary. (laughs) Okay. Watching Elizabeth Manley. I don't know if you remember her. The name sounds familiar. 
She's blonde. She has a little pixie, a little short haircut. But it was the dress. She was wearing a bright pink dress. I will never forget it. Fuchsia dress spinning. She was just sitting on the ice with the fuchsia dress. And I just thought it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> a little girl and a bright pink dress sitting, you know. So after that, I begged my mom to skate. And I started with... Um, Parks and Recreation. I do remember her. Chicago. She had this. I do remember. <laughs> yes, the pixie short hair. Yes, she was badass. Yeah, and she was Canadian, mm-hmm. and she won. I think she won a bronze. I think she won a bronze that year. But that was my first intro to ice skating. So I begged my mom to skate after that, and she was convinced that I would hurt myself. Of but she, I, you know, yeah. she's Jamaican. <laughs> she I mean, go. yeah. Yes, I know. What does she know about ice skating? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I loved it. I just soaked it up. I did all of the, spent every second practicing that I could, and and did all the extras that I could, and begged my mom to do extra skating camps in the summer. I skated all winter, five days a week, and weekends, and it was crazy. But it was a great experience, you know. I got to work at something I really, really loved. I also did all the other sports. I did swimming, I did play the piano, I did a lot of other things. I was very active as a child, but skating was my true love, you know. So um, after I quit at age 17, mm-hmm. I couldn't quit completely because I still love the sport. So I taught skating. Ah, okay. So I taught ice skating with the city of Mississauga for 10 years after that. Oh, wow. And that, that was my other passion, joy. Love, love, love. I loved it. I taught all ages from preschool, three-year-olds just learning to stand to adult skaters, you know, convincing them to let go of the boards mm-hmm. and come out here, and, you know, step, 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 pick your knees up. Um, did you ever, did you ever run into a kid um, and some parent think like they're super talented, but you're like, oof, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, no. It, it was more of the parents who were convinced that they wanted their kids to skate more, more often in my classes were the parents who did work with their kids outside of class. Mm. And I remember a few little boys, a few four-year-olds, who could handle a hockey stick and were zipping it out and could do their crossovers. And and the dads were real um, um, side-of-the-ring parents, you know, coaching from the sidelines. But there were some real Wayne Gretzky to be contenders at four. Wow. I'm already looking at my daughter like, okay, I'm giving you a few more months. And then we'll try out these skates <laughs> and see if you like it. But I'm not into forcing. You know, I don't, I don't think you should force your kid into doing anything um, in terms of recreation. They mm-hmm. don't want to do it. There's so much available. Yeah. that there must be something that they like that you can support. So, so, so you're yeah. teaching, so you taught from 17, you're now you're 27, it's been 10 years. Yeah. Around yeah. that last year, what changed? What shifted? Were you like, oh, I'm tired, like I, I, 
I think I've done enough in figure skating and I want to try something else. No, well, I, I started to feel nervous, actually. I, I knocked wood. I had, in all the classes I taught, and I teaching put me through university. So during the summers, I would work full-time at the Department of Immigration, Citizenship and Immigration. And, um, and then in the winters, I would teach skating. So, and it was a great job to have because it paid really well for a few hours. For short, so yeah. So you only work three or four hours at a time, um, but I always worked the weekends. The weekend shifts were the best because you could get a good five-hour chunk. But it was always super early. You had to be on the rink at 8 or 9 a.m., mm. which meant you had to be there at 7.30, you know, and, and in your 20s, you're going out with your friends and, and drinking, having a few drinks and having fun on the weekends, but That's I still had to be up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so it was a great job. I was really appreciative to have it. I really loved and enjoyed it. Kids loved to be in my class. Kids would ask to be in my class. And of course, in true Nicole fashion, I also taught on the side. Taught on the side of teaching. I had another business in just in um, private lessons. And um, so I just had an accident in my class. And suddenly I... There was an accident in your class? Yes. So you're dealing with a one-inch blade. <laughs> it essentially is a knife. Yeah. It kids, you know, so all sorts of things happen. Kids get cut. They fall down. They break their faces. They, they um, throw up in a corner. Yes. And I've just, I've just been really fortunate that nothing had ever happened on my watch in my class for 10 years. I think, you know, this is amazing. And yeah. I, it's good. I really don't want to be responsible for anything that's terrible happening to my students. So and I think what precipitated that was I witnessed the kid kicking another child on, on the rink in his skate. So you're kicking someone with a blade, with a knife. A kid <laughs> was, I to break, a kid yeah, was break kicking another kid? With the skates on? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a serious fight. It was just an unconscious, you know and I but like that, but I'm conscious of as a teacher, I see uh and you are wearing a blade. <laughs> you yeah. might not know that, but I do. So after that incident, you know, it, it started um, recurring in my mind over and over. I've never had a really serious accident in my class, except for the very first class I taught, which was pretty traumatic. A, a grown woman, a lady, in the first introduction, just, hi, how are you? Getting to know you. We're just standing on the ice. We haven't done anything. Mm -hmm. She fell down and broke her tailbone. Mm. That was the very first class I ever taught. <laughs> but after that, no accidents for 10 years. Um, I before something happens, uh, I'm feeling nervous, and I, I shouldn't feel that way when I'm teaching. I should feel free, alert, you know, and, and ready to help my students. Mm -hmm. So it was just time. So what? Uh, and, and, yeah. So, so that was that was it for you. You're like, okay, because it sounds like it was mm -hmm. a pretty traumatic 
obviously affected you. And you're like, that's it. I'll just focus. Now, at the time you were saying it was paying the bills for you. You were at University of Toronto, right? Yes. Yeah. And so during my in 2002 to 2006, dating myself for you, I was at the University of Toronto doing a degree in English reading. And uh, I, I loved going to school. I really enjoyed it. Um, after I finished my degree, I didn't know quite what to do with it. So I um, started, but I, fortunately I got a job right away. And the job was as an editorial assistant for an accounting magazine. Snore, snore, snore. I was just going to say, what do you write? <laughs> yeah, it sounds super boring. And it was a lot of scheduling, scheduling to be handed in and sending it out to other professors for review and and making sure that we got to the printers on time and updating the website and managing the events. I was an assistant in managing the events. But every year we had two conferences and one of the conferences would be in a different location in a different province in the country. Oh. So I got to travel a lot, which was great. So I got to see a little bit of Canada. And um, after six years, I thought it was time to go. It was a really stressful environment. Plus, I was just ready to experience something else. And I thought, surely, with my education and experience, that I have great references, I must be able to find something unique. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I was sorely mistaken. <laughs> I was very wrong. And I gave up my apartment, a cute little apartment at Young and Eglinton, I was single and in the city. It was a lot of fun. And I went back home to Mississauga, mm -hmm. living with my mom, and, and, and went back to school. I did a postgraduate certificate at Centennial College in public relations. Now, why did, why did you choose public relations? Because it, it closely relates to your English lit? It relates to English. My former boss, uh, where I worked, she, the director at my very first job, we became really close friends. Very, very close. And she also had an English degree. She would say to me, you know, if I had my life to live over, <laughs> I would do a degree in, in public relations in corporate comms, you can use it for anything. You could do internal communications, which is what I was already doing with newsletters and websites and uh, all of that. Or you can do external communications, social media. You can use it for all manner of jobs in communication. Mm -hmm. And it's a professional designation. So I thought, you know what, she's probably right. And, um, uh, so that's what I, I did. So I got there. It was an intensive program, but it was only one year. So 2013, I did the program of uh, PR and corporate comms at Centennial College, and it was the best decision of my entire life. I love, 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 loved it. What did you love? What was, this, what was the area of, of PR that you loved the most? 
You know, the takeaway for me was the external communication. Mm-hmm. I've always done internal, you know, sending out newsletter reminders and all of that internally. But you, in those corporate situations, you have a... <laughs> they have to read it. But when you're doing external communication, you have to be a little more strategic in in tailoring your message to who you're talking to. Mm. So it's a little more work for you, but there's this payoff of when you do get their attention, you feel like you've really earned it. So I, I love that part. I love the, all of the great critiques we got on different types of, of writing. We did a lot of different types of writing, press releases and writing for social media and writing for all kinds of, different types of communication and we got a lot of guidance on it on what it should look like and what it should sound like so I felt a little more confident when I left the program in my writing uh, and then after that I did a internship at the Globe and Mail mm. and during the internship I started to uh, some no that was after but during the internship I don't remember how I got the first quiet <laughs> but somehow I met somebody was talking to them at a party mm-hmm. networking 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 yeah we'll get to that and I, I was telling them about how much I enjoyed the program how much I learned and um I think they showed me their own website told me opened up to me about their own side business and I looked at the website and right then and there I gave them pointers do this do that improve this way and that so they appreciated my feedback, mm-hmm. and I started freelancing. So I started working on the side, and I noticed I was more enthused about the freelancing I was doing during my lunch break at my internship. But, wow. so you know, do my, my job, and then during lunch I'd sneak off to a corner and, and open up my computer and do some work over here on working on um I was really excited about that looked forward to it thought about it you know I was obsessed with it I thought I'd like to do this afterwards so when the internship ended I I applied to jobs but nothing was biting right away and it didn't really bother me because I was more interested in doing this other side work but it didn't pay a lot you know I think people have to be really honest about what people can expect when they become entrepreneurs mm. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> know, your, know what you're, based on your knowledge and experience to, to, to match. Are you saying, like, be aware of where you're at to match with your value? And then as the experience grows, the value grows too, which is... How well, much you pay me? No, that, I, you I just find that when, when you're starting out as an entrepreneur, you might not you have a client base immediately waiting for you to jump into. Mm-hmm. So your your earning potential at, at the at the start might not probably not huge. Mm-hmm. Even if you do have professional, because I had professional experience at that point, I'd been working for eight years. You know. Um, out after school. During school, I was also working full time in the, in the summer. So I worked a lot. 
great in in um, in English, which is essentially what I was doing. Plus, I had another certificate in writing, particularly for communication. Plus, I was a great writer and a great, fantastic reader. That was my. But I couldn't step into a client base immediately because I'd never been an entrepreneur before. I didn't know how to find clients, write invoices, make sure there was always uh, multiple streams of income. Mm. All of those things build what you can expect to make, you know, year after year. But when you're starting out as an entrepreneur, you're going to have one income, <laughs> your side income. So uh, during that internship, though, it was another great thing that happened was I met um, uh, a friend of mine who has become one of my partners, my business partners, and she is a graphic designer. Mm. I was sent on an errand one day, um, again, assisting with an event. I was sent to go get something printed, and at the printers, I struck up a conversation with the girl behind the counter who was helping me figure out printing sizes, and she was a graphic designer uh, on the side. And she was working in the print shop by day, and we just hit it off. She came with me to uh, some women's event mm-hmm. for, I think it was, on the tip of my tongue, who it was. And I think you'll know who it was also. Oh, no. Anyway, um, can you hear me? Yeah. All right. So, went to this event. It was a women's empowerment event, women in entrepreneurship. We made some great connections. And we've worked together ever since on projects. Sometimes we had parallel projects working specifically with one another, but we help each other with each other's projects. But for the last three years, with this one particular client, we've been able to work together on the same project. It's been amazing. So I met her at this. Um, and then after that, I did do some contract work after that. So I worked for another nonprofit for eight months, and I worked somewhere else for a year. So I continued doing day contracts. And then on the side at night, I would freelance. And another thing that I tell others, especially in terms of um, working in the PR or writing space, mm-hmm. Fiverr. Fiverr was an amazing resource for me. So you used Fiverr to for some freelance work? Yes, to practice my craft, get introduced to new. I did about 65 jobs. Six zero. Yes, yeah. And, and the, what I learned through that was make it something that you can do very easily, quickly. You have a template for it, so you're not reinventing the wheel every single time. Because mm. you're only making, I know now Fiverr has a pay structure where you can include add-ons and increase your prices. But at the time, the only price you could charge was $5. Right. So $5, I wasn't in it for the $5. I was in it for the practicing my skills and introducing myself to new people. Uh, 
so that's what I got out of it. The practice. Oh, hold on. Mm-hmm. And the introducing myself to potentially new clients. Oh, wait, just a second. There's a weird sound in the background, like a humming sound. All right, yeah. Somebody just opened the door. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, it's, it's gone so now. In, yeah, introduce myself to new clients. That was, the, that was the number one thing it did for me. And, uh, and I met a few good clients through, through that service who I could work with outside of the service. That's amazing. So, so it helped you find not only new clients, but some of these clients also, I'm sure, gave you reference, gave your name yeah. or your services as a reference. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Word of mouth and also just someone to also yes, build on and refer to when you're pitching to other clients. Say, well, I've done this work here. Add to your portfolio, essentially. I've done this work here. You can talk to this person. Um, see what I've done and this is what I'd like to do for you so the more you do that the better it is for you the bigger your portfolio the easier it is to get new work and so that's how I did it and now how do you would you say because um, you, you mentioned networking how do you utilize, utilize networking because I mean I think it's brilliant too that you running the chapter for um, for uh Black Bloggers United, that was a form of networking and people to get to know you and your services and what you do. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was helpful for me in that sense, but I, I feel that it, it wasn't, I didn't get a lot of business that way. Mm. I didn't find it, it helped me particularly in that way a lot, but what it did was it helped it helped me to learn about, about where I was, who's doing what, essentially, mm. who who is um, the go-to blogger for food mm. locally, and and you have to know your your local area as well as internationally. With social media now, you know, we're all able to watch what Kim Kardashian is doing and, and a lot of other celebrities. Yeah. It's as if we know them, even though they are all around the world. But what's even more important from my point of view is that we know what people are doing right next to us in the real world. Because yes. those are the people you can call on to collaborate with get business from them but when you do get business you might be able to say I need someone to do photography and I'm not an expert photographer so would you mind working with me on this project and that's how it's been helpful for me to expand my base of people I can collaborate with when I do have interesting projects to do so yeah no it's definitely um it was a it, it it was a great space that you were running because I mean I I met Eden, um, and who is Black Foodie and Boomy uh, as a P, uh, PR person and it was it is still a it was a great way to connect and um, uh, you know get to know what people are doing out there and like you said it's about collaboration so uh, it, it was a way to extend and perhaps provide opportunities for other people and and build yeah. this kind of 
interconnectivity with each other. Because you're right. And and I think that's in the way why I like the space I created. And I'm sure with with Black United, uh, Black Bloggers United, we do tend to look at the big celebrities. But you're right. Like sometimes we, we... by looking at those big public figures, we miss out on the up and coming ones, the people who are up and coming, who are local in your area and are doing great content as well. So spaces like yours was great for that. It put a spotlight and get to know the, lo- you know, the local people who are bloggers and, uh, you know, digital strategists or PR and things like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And that's kind of what you're doing now with Black Canadian content creators. We're getting to know who our Canadian content creators are. Yeah, for sure. Network locally. Mm-hmm. How, now, you utilize a lot, um, which I love. You you are a great writer. <laughs> I'm not a writer. This Thank is the you. reason why I podcast. I just to walk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you use like blog posts, social media posts, and content, the way you do your content management um, to display and to showcase what you do as a digital strategist or uh, NPR. Um, oh, thank you. I try. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel a lot of people miss out on that? Like sometimes as content creators, we, or even businesses, Um, would you say that they need to kind of, that's another form of growing your business or awareness Mm -hmm. is by showcasing publicly what you do or sharing tips, things like that? Absolutely. One of the fears that I heard a lot um, when working with um, entrepreneur clients was that, you know, I don't want to share this because I don't want someone to take my idea. Mm, hear that a lot too. And the, yeah. And the, and the bottom line of it is ideas are not special. You're not special because you have an idea. There's nothing new that no one else has ever, never thought of. And people have ideas every day, all the time. But very few people actually what makes it special is when you can take an idea and create a product or a service and you can actually provide it and then you can actually run with it for a long period of time. That is what is difficult, mm-hmm. is the maintenance, is the endurance to stay in business. There are a lot of people who start businesses and drop fallout after five years. True. And that's because it's super hard. <laughs> it's, it's very, very difficult to stay in when you're not making lots of money. Not for money, but still continue to push your business on the side. It's very difficult to um, maintain your business when you're, maybe your friends and family don't support it. So you have to find other means of people you don't know to support something that you've never heard of and trust. It's very difficult to continue a business when you have a family and, as you know, kids and a spouse and other personal demands mm. every day. It's, it's very hard. <laughs> but the people who can stay in and keep doing it for years 
at a time and turn a profit, that's, those are the people who are special. So don't be afraid of losing an idea. If somebody can take your idea and turn it into a business and stay in business, God bless them. But the, the skill that you want to show is that you have endurance. That's what matters. From my perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of backing. There are businesses that that get funded very nicely. The founders get a, a loan, a huge loan from the bank, or they have wealthy family members. But especially in the Black community, a lot of businesses are businesses are started with very little capital. Mm-hmm. So the emphasis is not on the idea. That is not the obstacle course. Anybody can do that. It's the staying in business once you get in it. So it's it's about how to utilize whatever that resource is, whether you have a lot of resource or not. It's the it's the creativeness and the endurance to keep that idea going and to maintain that idea to 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 grow. That is, it's true. And sometimes it's really changing, changing as you as you flesh the idea out and you're actually um, working it in the real world, you find out it's not feasible. It doesn't work. It doesn't turn a profit or whatever else. Just that's what makes you a real star. So having an idea is not is not the thing that you should be afraid of sharing with the world. You can share your ideas. Fantastic way of getting people interested. But what can you do to teach them interested in what you're doing? That's that's the thing that I would put emphasis on. I saw an article that you wrote, and you've mentioned this too. How you discovered that you know that um, family and friends couldn't help you, and that you had to build. Yeah much of what makes a business successful on your own. And you discovered that entrepreneurs receive most value, not just from the services, but through networking as well. When did that click for you? So in the very beginning, (laughs) after I finished school, my family was wondering, okay, so what company are you going to work for next? Where can you get in with a job? <laughs> you know, practical things that are necessary for life. Yeah. And it wasn't coming to me immediately. And I, uh, I, I guess I saw the writing on the wall and I was ready and willing to do something else. And they weren't ready and willing to let that go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking for it. And they would tell me, too. Keep looking. People have jobs. Other people have jobs. Keep looking. And I found within my circle of friends, yes, some people had stable benefits, um, full-time jobs, but others were struggling to find full-time jobs and were cobbling together and doing all sorts of other things to make, make things work. And I felt I had, a, I knew I had a skill that was sellable. So when I told my family and friends about it, they were very confused because nobody I know uses social media professionally. They oh, so you were like, I'm starting, athlete. like, were you like, I'm starting a business, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and use social media as a business? Yes. 
I'm freelancing in social media, and if you know anyone who um, has a, a business on the side and would need some help, let me know. And nobody knew anyone. So at first, they couldn't refer me to anyone. So that was the first thing. I couldn't get any referrals through my friends or family. Um, the second thing was uh, there was no extra money to give to me to start a business. Mm. So that didn't exist. Um, and then the third thing was nobody even knew of social media as a, as a business or professional thing that people did. It was just a casual thing that you look at on your phone 10 times a day. <laughs> so there was no knowledge, um, connection, or interest in my immediate circle to draw from. So I had to look outside of that immediately. And as I said, Fiverr was a big help in that area. I could immediately connect to people anywhere in the world. And my very first client I got from there was in North Carolina. And she had a website and needed some, some assistance with that. And it grew from there. Um, so, and, th- and then I started getting some local interest. People who were friends of friends who had side businesses who were willing to open up. But I find that sometimes um, you might have a friend who has a business and you would never know. They would never tell you about it. Yeah. People are very... I'm not sure why. They feel like if they share it, they might fail or might feel like they're failing if it's not wildly uh, successful right away. Mm. So they're very close about, about that. So it wasn't until I'd been doing it for a little while and talking to people a bit and had examples to show that people started opening up to me about, well, actually, I've been doing this other thing on the side. I wonder what you thought. It is. I could get some help. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right, though. A lot of people don't share. They figured, I'm going to share once, you know, um, you know, my name is out there or or. I've made X amount of money and, um, or when I, the, the, the business is established, that's when I'll yeah. share. And it's, it's true. I think it is the fear of like, what if it's that, what if it doesn't work out? How am I going to look and what am I going to say? And it's like, and I find for the most part, people don't, they, they more look at, at least you tried. That's huge. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and in, in this economy that we're in, you have nothing to lose by trying. <laughs> More millennials than ever are doing um, driving Uber and delivering the skip the dishes and, and trying to to pull their coins together any ways they can. So there's no fault. No one will fault you for trying something another way of, of securing your future. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. fast forward to now, you were talking about allblackto.com, which was started by uh, someone that now you are collaborating with. Um, yeah. I remember I remember seeing allblackto.com actually a good year or so ago. And yeah. I just kind of kept my eye on it. And I did see kind of like, you know, a slow progression. Well, what made you excited about getting on board and collaborating to start this new venture on top of 
your current would your current business with uh, BLPR. Yeah. Well, um, when I first started working on All Black TO about a year, a little over a year ago, um, what excited me was that the founder, he by day is a social worker. Now, both of my parents are social workers who worked in uh, Toronto Children's Day Society for 30-odd years, and they're both retired. But I've all, And they'd always told me, you know, don't go into helping the helping profession. It's stressful and But they taught their, their own professional careers. In their retirement, they both volunteered still. <laughs> so they are set on helping others. And the founder of All Life, I just don't know if I, she wants me to mention her name or not, so I'm not going to mention her name. Okay. But she is a social worker by day, and she posted a lot of flyers or information about youth services or, or government services for black people and people of color. And I thought that was very interesting and helpful. Where can you go to figure out, you know, how to get a, a, a business grant or yeah. how to get mental health care when you're 17 or, you know, how to get help. <laughs> In and out. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Shirley. Yeah? Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess somebody walked in to the party yeah, room. <laughs> walked, walked in and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you were saying, like, how how to get grants and uh, these kind of information that was being uh, posted on All yeah. Black TL. So she, yeah, she had a lot of uh, connections and a healthy network within the social services community mm-hmm. in, in Toronto, so she provided a lot of good information and resources that I thought was helpful to people engagement there, and that's one thing that brands, um, businesses, anyone who's using social media professionally to, to promote something and they're, they're putting some money behind it, they're looking for engagement. Engagement, engagement is key. They want to see people not just liking the post, but also commenting. Yeah. People who are involved, people actually go to the events that they post about. And that's what I saw was the number one attractive thing about about the All Black Teal platform is that the more I posted of not just uh, information about services, but Who's who in in Toronto? Black people doing interesting things within the city. Um, what even parties and events you could attend on a weekend? People engaged on the platform. They commented. They shared. They thanked us. It was lively. So that was the number one thing. The number two thing is I always check the analytics of the website. I like to see if there is progress, what people are interested in clicking on. And I could see that the viewers were going up week after week. Week after week. And people were finding us through social, so Facebook, Instagram, through Google. 
the SEO was really great. And it wasn't intentional. It's not that we revamped the entire website SEO. It's that we, what we were posting, great keywords in it. I was updating the keywords for each post. And then I would tell the organizer of the event, hey, your, your post is live. Here, here, here. Let us know if you have anything else you want us to share. You're and saying- they would share the link. And you're saying the the keyword the the you would update the keywords now on the social or on uh, straight from the site? Just just on the website. Okay. Just on the website. So people would would be new people would be coming to the website every week, and also I think there's just a hunger and a market for it. Mm-hmm. People want to know what's going on in in Toronto. Be a night like Thursday or Friday night. Saying to my husband, hey, what's going on? Should I go to a party? <laughs> I'd like to go to something. What's going on tonight or tomorrow, Saturday night? I'd love to know. So people were checking for that. So it, it, I saw the very helpfully while I was there. And then when I left, it wasn't being updated. So slowly, you know, you have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd love and do it consistently for a while to see what happens. Mm-hmm. So now you're now all black TO. What would you say is a hub uh, not only to find out what's going on um, in the black t- Toronto community, but what else can people expect in ter- when they uh, go to the site? Right. So uh, the section is the event section. That's because it's updated the most often. People are interested in, for example, this month of December, there's Braid for Age, Braidathon coming up. There's a an album release party. There's uh, the skate DJ skate night at Harborfront Center. There the wide variety of events. So parties there's something for you. If you're into fundraisers there's something for you. If it's music or or if it's a lecture also. So anything within the Black Toronto community we want to highlight. It happens to be from Sudan. So she has her her friend circle and her social circle is within the African Toronto community. My roots are from the Caribbean. My mom is Jamaican and I'm married to a Trini. Mm-hmm. So my social circle is within the Caribbean community in Toronto. So we try and bring together all of the There are other websites that do exist, like in Africa, I think. Mm-hmm. And that and that has um, content for the African particularly Canada. Mm-hmm. We're more local than that. We're specific to the GTA. We're not talking about things that are happening in Alberta or Montreal. It's just here, GTA. And also, we're not just focused on the African community. We're just on the Caribbean community. We're doing both. So, um, so there's that in terms of events. There's resources, so grants, 
funding, we try to post it there. Resources for programs, enrichment programs, like program in the summertime. We post about that. So we try and hit all of your life needs, if you will, for entertainment to education to business development. Mm-hmm. We try and hit all of those those points so that we're a real help. Because nobody needs one one thing. Yeah. True, true. And I see that uh, there's also like a area for businesses, like black owned businesses operating offline and online in the GTA, yeah. from the GTA. Yeah. So just this last month, we did a 10 um, winter essentials, and all of the winter essentials were black businesses owned by black or provided by black businesses. So we talked about. Um, with that in mind so that all the moisture is not sucked out of your hair. Mm. It's the worst. I love mine. I have a splat. It's called Splat Cap. But I got it from a U.S. I didn't know that there was a girl in Canada providing the exact same thing. Not just Canada, the GTA. Mm. There is someone in the GTA who owns Kingston Coils who provides the very same thing. She has toque, she has uh, winter headbands, mm-hmm. she's got all kinds of products that you can wear in the wintertime that protect your hair. Yeah. They also look really cute and stylish. We also have wine on there. There's an Ontario um, uh, winery that's owned by a black man. Nayari Wine. There's a candle company, there's all sorts of things that you would need over the next few months, during season of the year. Um, and all the products are black-owned in the so now, so are so is the site going through a restructuring? Because you're, because a you mentioned this earlier too. So black, I'm sure yeah. if they're listening to this show, they're going to wonder. Are you looking for contributors? <laughs> yes. So the one thing the site was missing previously, some articles. Yeah. We don't just want to list listing things for people. You know, a list of a business directory. That's nice, a good reference point. But we also want to talk, have a conversation, and examine things from our point of view. And to do that, we have so far asked for contributions from a few black bloggers already who've already blogged and had content on their site, and I just happened to come across it and love the article there now about doing your toddler's hair. Mm. (laughs) I don't know. I have a girl. And as she's gotten older, from an infant to a toddler now, doing her hair is a challenge. I was always told, you know, oh, you have a girl, you're going to be doing hair. But I never really thought about, okay, she squirms. She can't really sit still for very long. At all. But her hair, <laughs> at all. But her hair is getting longer, and it's her natural hair, you know, every night, and... and you know, coconut oil. It's a process. We all know it. We all did it. 
but I never thought about it from the perspective, okay, now I'm the mom, and i got to figure it out. Yeah. So just to hear from another black mom who's dealing with it, I'm not alone, and some techniques that she's used, and what I might be able to try, that was really helpful for me. So we posted that on the website. So we're looking for more content from uh, black content creators. Specifically in the GTA? In the GTA. Okay. Yeah. And so are you going, so are are people able to contribute now or are you guys going to do like like a relaunch in the new year? For the new year, I mean? Well, so they can send an email to all um, blackpo at gmail.com. And I'm putting together, I will post their content, but the relaunch will be packaging their stories together in a way that makes sense. So maybe one newsletter that's all about one topic, wellness. Nice. We're already working on February, Black Love. We already, uh, yesterday I met with Montano St. Jules. He's a photographer from Scarborough who makes beautiful, beautiful, beautiful is in black and white. He only shoots in black and white of couples and babies too. But his couple pictures really struck me as interesting and beautiful. Um, so we'll be highlighting stories specifically each month that are similar mm-hmm. and on a, a, a theme. So that will be the launch in the new year. January, we'll have a bunch of stories that are all related that will be released at the same time. So, yeah, we're looking for content. If there's anything that you do or you just like us to look at your website and, and pick something, we can do that also. And video content is wonderful also. And the more local you can make it, the better. Because we want to hear stories about where we live. Mm-hmm. So people can email again, that's allblackto at gmail.com to be a contributor. Absolutely. And if you'd like to advertise with us also, I should mention, that's that's an avenue that we can explore also. You know, um, in the beginning of blogging, I want to say the early 2000s, pay-per-click advertising was the thing to do. But now, advertisers do all sorts of even more interesting things with advertorials and and anything. Anything creative and interesting as a way of promoting um, products or services uh, in a way. And we also need funding. So, so we're not going to charge you a whole bunch to advertise with us, but we might charge you a little something mm-hmm. sure to make it valuable, very valuable to you. And you'll reach the audience. That you're trying your to business. reach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, definitely. It sounds like if people advertise, they'll know that the audience is from the Caribbean, um, African, you know, Black Canadian community that's in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Nicole. This this was a, 
an amazing conversation. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about you. Would never think I about figure like skating. So much. <laughs> I want to. I- more. We have to meet offline some other time. We do. I want to hear more about you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Where where can people find you? I think I want to have you back on the show because I think there's just so much. Like I was going through some of the, your articles, like writing compelling captions. Maybe we can talk about that as a as a mm. content creator. Cause that is it's not easy. You know, sometimes when people you say, oh, I'm like a social, I do digital strategy or social media management. And they look at you like, oh, you just post on social media. And they're like, you have no yeah. idea the amount of research <laughs> that you have to do to look for specific keywords and what makes sense and things like that. So I think that will be a, next time to have you on to talk about like that kind of mm you know utilizing really researching and thinking about writing sorry what were you saying and getting away from the repetition you know you can really get into a um, a brain block mm. when you're doing the same when you promote products for a long period of time mm-hmm. so for example one of our clients right now they're a company that owns a bunch of different hair brands Mm. We write content for five of their hair brands. Each brand, but we produce, let's say, 25 posts a month. But we've been doing it for three years. So what more can you say? (laughs) Every single month for three years. There are things. There are ways. There are ways. And, 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 um, yeah, doing research is a big, big part of it. Tapping into your creativity and what you need to do to to understand the customer. That's the number one. Understanding your audience is is key to all of it. Mm. Right. So yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Yes, better. definitely. Where can one. people find you, Nicole? <laughs> you can. At blprdigital.com, or you can just Google BLPR Digital Strategy. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as BLPR Digital. Everything is the same. Um, and you can email me at info at blprdigital.com. Awesome. Do you know what's awesome about you, Nicole, is that you are very easy to find. Let me tell you how many content <laughs> creators or do or people who have oh. a business online of some sort and they are so difficult yeah. to find. That's that's mm. that's a com- that's another mm-hmm. workshop conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been told that before. I don't understand why you would make it hard. Right? What? Yeah, and you want to take it into the real world. That's my that's my number one thing to explain to content creators, businesses who employ content creators, anyone. Take it offline. You want to be searchable and interesting online, but you also have to exist in IRL in real life. Mm-hmm. Your presence, like in real life, the two should agree together. Mm-hmm. Offline and online, the two should agree. So yeah, you want to make it easy for people to interact with you offline too. Don't forget that part. And that's the tip for the end of this show. <laughs> for y'all <laughs> yeah. to take notes and remember. <laughs> <laughs>
IRL in real life. In real life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Nicole, for the convo, oh, and uh, we'll truly appreciate you being on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. And please, let's talk offline. I gotta, I gotta talk with you somewhere else and get all the tips on this wife and mommy thing. I'm just no problem. I'm just, like <laughs> searching in the dark. Yes. We will talk in real life in IRL. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know there's so much more, so much digging and um, brain kicking of Nicole that I think we need to do on another episode. So get ready to be seen. If you are going to reach out to BLPR Strategic Marketing and Public Relations, because that's what BLPR and the agency will do for you. They will focus on connecting your company with your customer using digital tools. And under the leadership of of Nicole Badeau, they craft traditional marketing strategies with these digital tools to help you gain the attention and trust uh, for your ideal customer and increase your sales. So definitely reach out if uh, you want uh, some help of her services and expertise. Just write to info at blprdigital.com. Uh, I'm so excited for Nicole also with this new venture that she's doing, allblackto.com. So if you're looking to be a contributor and you are a black creator in the GTA, uh, in the community, uh, and you want to basically amplify your voice in 2020, definitely reach out to Nicole and submit uh, an idea, um, you know, pitch an idea of what you'd like to include on the site by emailing allblackto at gmail.com. Subscribe and never miss the show on iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, or any other podcast player. And if you found value with this episode, I would really appreciate a rating or a review on iTunes or comment on Spotify or CastBox. Oh, and tell your family and friends or fellow content creators about the show. That would also help us out. Follow the show and group on all social platforms by just going to at BlackCanadianCC. Um, in all, again, all social media, or you can search for Black Canadian content creators. And at last, if you'd like to join the group, just go to Facebook and search for Black Canadian content creators. All right. Till next time. Bye. And uh, be joyful and create. Millions of Americans are getting back to work. CareerBuilder calls it the great rehire. And we want to help you get the best jobs before everyone else. CareerBuilder gives you the competitive edge to get the job you want, at the salary you want, with the benefits you want. We even send job alerts so your perfect job lands right in your inbox. Go to CareerBuilder.com today or get left with whatever jobs are left. Find your next job fast at CareerBuilder.com.